Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Hi, Marjorie. How are you this morning? Running a little crazy? It's just a normal day. You know, it's just (laughs) moving and shaking. How fast can I get from one thing to the next? Well, I will tell you, Elizabeth, I am in midterms. Do you know how strange that is to say at 58? Strange and wonderful. You would never say that. No, I would never survive. Oh, I, I had I turned in a paper early this morning, and this is the, my point of pride. I had a paper due at eleven fifty nine tonight. I turned it in at ten oh one this morning. I have wow. changed my ways. I have changed that is my a ways. Gift. Yeah, uh, but it's um, gift. it's I can't, I can't wait to be done. I have two more projects that are due, and then I'm I get a couple of days off. So well, these conversations are always my favorite because whenever I'm like running crazy, I know I can just sit down here and have a lovely little chat with you. And I am particularly looking forward to this conversation. I was telling everyone at my TV station who we were going to have on as a guest today on our podcast, and that I was so looking forward to getting to talk with her um, because we have a lot in common. And um, and I think that all of you listening, I know that all of you nesters listening are going to be able to relate. So we're talking with Kendall Mark today. Marjorie, isn't this exciting? From afar, I'm a huge fan. I know, love her TV too. work with this a good is, friend of ours, Jason this, Matheson. Wonderful. This is the wonderful first show. time I've ever met her. And um, so Kendall um, is the traffic reporter on Fox 9. And then she's Jason Matheson's sidekick on The Jason Show, which airs on Fox 9 here in the Twin Cities at 10 a.m. Jason Matheson, of course, is the host of the morning show, the Jason and Alexis show on My Talk 1071, which is the radio station that Marjorie and I had a short-lived but well-received radio <laughs> show on together. And you and your husband, Marjorie, of course, we have yeah. to remind everybody, you hosted the morning show for 15 years prior to Jason taking over. I like that you say 15. It was actually 10, but because oh. it's because it's mornings, you got to add five. So you're exactly right. It was 15 years. I like the way you think of it. That's how it felt. 15 years. It (laughs) probably did. Um, So Kendall, um, I have admired from afar for a long time. Jason speaks so highly of her. He adores her. And it's always fun to see what's happening on the Jason show because, uh, you know, there's a there's certainly a similar sort of vibe definitely twin cities live and the jason show have their own identities um but there's certain things that we cover and i like to see like how they do things and how we do things and we love to give each other shout outs jason gives twin cities live shout outs i talk about jason's biscuits every chance i get if you know you know on um, <laughs> and that's twin not a cities euphemism live. everybody it's no not he a actually makes biscuits, biscuits real yes. but listen if it was a euphemism i'm he's got great biscuits all over the place so oh I'm, a, I'm a big fan <laughs> Um, But something happened uh, within the last couple of weeks to Kendall that was um, all too familiar to me. So um, one of our staffers sent me this video that Kendall had posted, and I'm going to play it for you 
so that you can hear her words. And I'm going to tell you that like my stomach dropped and, um, and I, I was in my kitchen with my kids and immediately got very teary eyed when, um, when I listened to what Kendall had to say. So are you ready to hear I'm this? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. It's not my typical type of video. I don't really like to ever seem like I want someone's pity. And I hope you certainly realize that is not the case, but something happened today. That's just infuriating. And, um, and sure. I have been working my ass off the last two days. We've had a winter storm here in Minnesota. I'm the traffic reporter, so I've just been doing a ton of extra work to make sure everybody stays informed and safe. And um, today, got four phone calls into our station complaining about how inappropriate the dress I was wearing was. The dress was not inappropriate. I have curves. I am a woman with thick thighs and a butt. And things fit me differently than they do some of my colleagues. In fact, that dress, which is from the women's professional department in Macy's, I'm pretty sure it's a Calvin Klein, literally is owned by multiple women in this market. It has been my entire 10-year career being called Miss Piggy, being called thick in like condescending ways, being told I look a certain way in something when... Someone else can wear the exact same thing and isn't told that. And I am proud of my body. I know what my worth is and I don't need to look a certain way. But like, I, sometimes it is just hard. So I watched that uh, and um, and I think it really is. And I think listening to Kendall talk about this um is very difficult. And, um, and then seeing her face was, is even, I mean, it makes me emotional when I, when I watch it now, because, um, I messaged her and I'd never met Kendall before. And I messaged her and, um, and I told her, I don't often use the words. I know how you feel, but in this moment, I can feel comfortable saying, I know how you feel. And I'm so happy that Kendall is joining us here on Best of the Nest so that we can continue this conversation that I posted on social media that frankly, I'm sick of having to have this conversation, but we need to continue to have the conversation because if we don't call it out, we have no hope for change. So Kendall, I don't often cry before we introduce the yeah, guest, but is, alas, here we are. I got to say, these are early <laughs> tears on this podcast. And Elizabeth, this makes it two weeks in a row because I cried through the, I cried through last week's. So here we go. But I'm sure, sponsorship. <laughs> I'm sure there are going to be more tears. And this is, I have to say, this conversation, how people can make you feel is tear worthy. And people need to know that because it just, it, it just, it's gutting. It's just gutting, but. Kendall, let's talk about, first of all, welcome. We're so Thanks. happy that you're here. Yes, thank and, you. Um, and I want to know a little bit before we kind of get into this moment that is obviously a low moment in your career, but I have to imagine, I mean, you're very successful and that there have been, I would hope more high moments than low moments in your television career? I mean, when you, when you're doing your job, what are you getting out of your job that you love so much? Oh yeah. I mean, there's definitely been better moments than bad moments like that. Um, I think for me, I love doing what I do because I really love entertaining people. I really love making people happy. Um, 
That's why I never went to the anchor reporter route because I just, I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. I just want everyone to have a good day, as corny as that sounds, and just entertain people and make them feel good. And so um, for me, that definitely brings me the most joy. As much as waking up at 3.40 in the morning is a terrible thing. Um, I do like waking up early and getting people's day started off right. So that's probably... I mean, and most people, 95% of people are so nice yeah, and so kind. It's just the 5% that are just so <laughs> lovely sometimes. But the 5%, and this is what people may not understand for all of us that work in media, that 5% has an incredible amount of power. Mm-hmm. And they have power if if we let them into our heads they have power if they want to make your life difficult with your bosses. Right. They can they can make the job. I've talked to enough broadcasters to know that emails like that, phone calls like that can influence people on the air enough to say, I- I'm walking away. It's not mm-hmm. worth it. I'm not going to do this. And so I had a long career in media. I was always grateful for the 95 but that five carries power. And I think that's what we need to talk about today. And that's why I think to your point, Elizabeth, it's so important to call out what somebody might think is their right to say, mm-hmm. what the residual effect of that really is. I think I so often tend to tune that out because I'm like, whatever, you do your thing. But every once in a while, I still remember last week, the one mean tweet that someone said to me. I still remember that someone thought that my dress looked like this. You you do, you just, it's always like right there. It's an interesting thing because the more that I've looked into this, I understand the, that your brain is doing that to protect you. Right. I mean, we evolved Uh like so many millions of years ago or whatever. And so your body is going to react to what it perceives as a threat in a different way than it reacts to something positive because the threat could kill you. So like, you know, how I always think of it as like, you're, you're going to remember the time that the lion tried to eat you. You're not going to remember the times that you were just like walking through the butterfly forest because it's a protective mechanism. But like in modern times, that has such a difficult, that's just such a difficult thing because we are coming into these things that it's not life threatening, but your body and your mind still reacts to it. And that is, that's what I think is so difficult about it. And I also always look at life in media as just almost like a like a magnified view of what people are going through on a regular basis in real life, too. So I'm always careful to be like, this is happening to media people, but this is happening to people all over the place. I mean, this is how social media has become. This is sort of people feel like they have this right to say things to you. Um, that I don't think that they would ever say to your face. And if they would, then they're even more dysfunctional. But I want to know, you know, you talked about in this video that this is not the first time that this has happened to you. Mm -hmm. Um, What about this moment made you feel like I've got to say something? Mm -hmm. That's a great question because I, I, you know this, I mean, we get these calls and emails. And as to your point, everybody in your own level gets this. And for whatever reason, this one just cracks. And I think because for me, it was the specific way that it was phrased. So I've had curves, like I've had a big old booty and 
boobs for like as long as I can remember. I remember getting picked on on the playground in third grade because I didn't wear a bra. I remember wearing the same exact outfit as the other girls in my grade, having never even really like made out with a boy and being called, you know, slut or all those other horrible words. I remember getting taken home from school because I wore something that my mom bought with me. Like what? (laughs) You know, I, I just, it has been a constant in my life that what I wear because of the way I'm shaped can be seen as like too sexual when in fact I'm wearing a turtleneck and a work appropriate outfit. And so I think it was the, I specifically picked out that dress. It was bright red. I knew it was a snowstorm. It was high cut, long sleeves. It wasn't going to distract, but it'd be like vibrant. Cause as you know, on TV, they're like pops of color. (laughs) It'd be this really nice professional dress you could take me seriously and listen to what I was saying and the fact that this thing that has nagged me my whole life came to play when I was working so hard to just do my job well it just it was like how is this still happening like how 33 years later is this still following into my life And how am I just, once again, sitting at my house, my husband was working from home that day and I came in crying. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, you okay? You know, like what happened? And I was like, I just, sometimes it is just hard. I'm tired of just pretending that it's fine and I can take it. And it's just great not fitting the mold. Like I'm just just tired of carrying the flag. And it about two hours later, I was still upset. And I was like, I need to just say something because not just for me to get it out, but also because to your point, I know I'm not the only person that feels like this. And I think when you're a public figure, like to me, at least I have been blessed with this space to be able to speak on things that not everything, but the things that are important, like use your voice for. And to me, it was, if I can progress this conversation, even a centimeter, you know, why not add and help? People who haven't experienced that really understand what that feels like mm-hmm. to be a woman who's objectified the moment she walks into a room or mm-hmm. that all of these thoughts are layered upon her. Oh, she's wearing that dress because she wants me to look at her mm-hmm. or she, you know, all of that objectification. Yeah, I think objectification is a, I've been really processing this. And I think that that's a huge word for, for me. I grew up in a really Christian household. My dad's a judge. My mama taught Sunday school. Like we are those people. And so there's always been so much shame to it too. And not from my parents to be clear, like not from my family. Um, But when, as a 12 year old, you're getting whistled at by guys in a bar walking Mm -hmm. with like your father, um, you feel gross and you feel I'm so ashamed, even though I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt, you know? And so, yeah, just to feel objectified and then to be like, Oh God, I'm so ashamed. I'm so sorry. Like, why do I have to feel like that? Like, what did I do wrong? And there's, it's such a complicated thing. It's an interesting thing because that sexualization, I mean, that, that sexualization of, women whenever that happens 
um, if it happens too early and by too early, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact number, but I would, mm -hmm. I would say that 12 is too early. Early. Too, early. Too, early. Way too early to have men whistling at you. That is, uh, that is a life-changing moment. And I think most of us as women can probably remember two things. And this is interesting that you bring this up because, you know, we'll talk about a similar thing that happened to me that kind of blew up and went viral and all of this three years ago. But, um, the, we didn't touch on the, like that sexualization part. Cause that wasn't really part of my story. That being said, I can certainly remember like those uncomfortable moments of being sexualized by men when you were not inviting it, not ready for it, not in any sort of situation where you were consenting to it. Um, and then also you can remember, I'm sure that first time that you realized that your body didn't fit the mold of what society said that your body was supposed to be. I, I have talked about this before. I vividly remember in the fifth grade asking my parents, if I could asking my mom, I, I don't think I discussed this with my dad, but you know, whatever, um, <laughs> that I wanted to shave my legs. Mm -hmm. And because I was convinced that if I shaved my legs, that they would look thinner and I was 10. And mm -hmm. I remember that. I mean, I, I think all of us can probably look back at those moments where you first started to realize that your body was a point of, um, mm -hmm. shame of something that you, that you had to work to fit into somebody else's ideal and the interesting thing is like with the men with the sexualization, now I found this Kendall, it's the women that are, that are the hardest on me. Now I, we yes. have, we definitely have more female viewers on Twin Cities Live. I'm sure the Jason show might be similar. It's, mm -hmm. it's evening out as the years go on and as the show becomes bigger, but historically it's been more women. And I have found that women that are in their sort of 60s, 70s, 80s age range are the hardest on me. I mean, they mm -hmm. are freaking brutal. And uh -huh. they and they have, I believe that they have told themselves a story that it is not only their right, but it's their duty to tell me that my body is not what they think that my body should be. And it's a fascinating thing to then on social media look at the images of these women who are telling mm -hmm. me that my body isn't good enough. And what I have imagined is I understand that my body maybe doesn't fit the societal mold. I look at these women who are telling me that my body isn't good enough. And I'm thinking, what are you telling yourself? Because it right. has got to be a thousand times worse than what you told mm -hmm. me. You did right. say hurt 60... people hurt people. <laughs> yeah. You did say 60, 70, and 80, right? You didn't yeah. say 50s. You didn't lump me into that group, right? No, it's, I, I didn't, but it I, is fascinating. And because I don't want to be in that group. You know, and it's my mom's age. Um, and it's so interesting because I think like, and I don't know if you've gone down this rabbit hole, Kendall. I don't think it's probably very healthy, but I've done it where I've like looked at someone's profile of what they've said to me. And I see pictures of them with their daughters mm -hmm. who are me. I see pictures of them with their daughter-in-law with their grandchildren and their daughters look like me. Their grandchildren look like my children. Like it is so fascinating to me. And then they have things attached to them, like proud member of Christ Presbyterian church. Right. You know, it's like my head, my head explodes. My head explodes. Mm -hmm. It's insane. When I, my first job here, I was 23. It was with, um, at the time, 
Fox Sports North. And I had a lot more male animosity <laughs> than female. And when I got this job, fast forward, I was like, oh, this will be really different because it is more female viewers. Um, but it was interesting because it was the same, just different verbiage and different ways of going about it. Like, oh, you're so much thinner in person. That's my favorite. I get that yeah. all the time. Yeah, like, I, know. Big, I call those three quarter compliments. I'm like, <laughs> you almost did it. That's nice. Thanks. Yeah, I like that. You almost got there. Good try. <laughs> you're Way always a nice person. That's oh really wonderful. God, I love that. Why? <laughs> Why not? To your to your point though, Elizabeth, about the age and and the judgment, and I've had to do a lot of it, and I'm not going to make any excuses for that behavior, but my understanding of that behavior comes because I'm trying to understand other things in my life. Yeah. And if you look at these women when they were in their 20s and 30s, their value came from their bodies and the way that they looked. I mean, if you look at, if you look at how women were supposed to be in the 1950s, um, they were supposed to get married. They were supposed to find a husband. They were supposed to be marriageable. And usually that meant being of a certain look, shape, size, how you looked might define who you would get to marry. I mean, we don't feel that pressure in the same way, but I know, and I think I've talked about this before, but when my mom graduated from college, my mom went to uh, North Northwestern in Chicago. Her mother was disappointed in her because she graduated with the degree, but not a, not a marriageable not a prospect. She had been engaged, pinned once, and I think engaged once in college and broke them both off. But the disappointment came. But I look at those pictures of her and boy, is her hair perfect. Is her waist cinched in? And my mother had, how do I say it? She had boobs. And I will tell you, (laughs) but I will tell you, she did not. They were fake. You know, she was wearing (laughs) the fake foam that so many women wore in the 50s because they were trying to have a certain ideal body type. I mean, I grew up with those plastered on the bathroom wall I would see them like because they were suction cups and they were suctioned to the bathroom (laughs) wall so you know these women were trying to invest so much in the way that they looked because it was about survival still doesn't forgive that they haven't progressed Mm -hmm. in understanding that body shaming is inappropriate and we are not our bodies Mm -hmm. um you know that's the joy of I think my generation and your generation is that we are defined by so much more and just there are people that haven't caught up to that yet and that's when the that's when it's cruel mm-hmm. so I, I i again this is not to forgive the 60 70 and 80 year olds but as we've talked about on the podcast before what is awful is to think that they are grandmothers or they are grandfathers right and that I mean, they might be passing this on this body mm-hmm. image um ideal to I, I say ideal it's not even you know what I mean a, right. a, a certain body type that they perceive to be an ideal onto their grandchildren well it's the thing is I think what you're seeking to do is to understand and I think that's important because I I also I don't think we can change what we don't talk about I don't think we can change what we don't understand I mean I think those are two fundamental truths and right. so trying to figure out 
how to understand where this is coming from is important. That also being said, it doesn't change the harm that it does because exactly. it's extremely harmful. When I was going through this sort of similar situation, I had been doing some work for the EMILY program, which is an eating disorder. Um, they do eating disorder awareness. Now I've never had an eating disorder, so I'll be clear about that, but I was working with them on just kind of just going out and speaking to classes about body acceptance and all these different things. And I learned so much about what leads to an eating disorder. And I mean, comments about your body are significantly linked to an increased risk in eating disorders. I mean, it's like off the charts. Almost. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, the statistics are in like the high 80s of, or 90s of people who have an eating disorder who can remember the specific comment that spiraled them. And I wonder how this happened for you, Kendall, because when I talked about um, what happened to me, I got, it was like, like I had to work on my own energy boundaries because I got such a barrage of messages from women who had a similar experience, who understood how I felt that it was like crushing to me. I mean, mm -hmm. how are, how are you doing in the wake of that? Because I can only assume that you're getting thousands of messages this blew up on TikTok. How many people mm -hmm. have watched this thing on TikTok? Thousands. Yeah. It, it was that like over 700,000 at yeah. one time when I checked and I was like, oh my God, there were like 6,000 comments. You know, I, I don't even know how you go even about reading all of that. Um, yeah, wow. I, yeah, it's nuts. Um, yeah. I, I was talking to my husband and, you know, my, my family about this and I said, it sounds really odd and false coming from me because of what I do for a living. But to me, what I do for a living is like what Beyonce says about what she does when she was on stage. Like she is not Beyonce. She is Sasha Fierce. When I go and do my job on camera, whether it be traffic reporting, whether it be with the Jason show, whether it be hosting some event, whatever it is, I am a, a different persona. It, I'm me. It's my personality, but it's like this armor that I have too. And so when something like that, that was so intimate and was so me and so raw, got so much attention, it it really like took me aback and I was like, I don't know if I want all this attention. I don't know if I'm ready for that. It felt like, you just feel like people are getting into your skin, you know? Um, I've glanced at a few of the comments. I started getting back to people and I was like, I can't, like, I, I actually can't do this. Like, to your point, Elizabeth, I was like, I just, it's like a lot. Um, yeah. But it was, it was, I don't know, sad it's the word I guess to use I remember one distinct comment where a woman said I'm a flight attendant because my mom was a flight attendant for years and so it stood out and she's like I'm a flight attendant and I feel this every single day every I'm like, day. thank you like I have a uniform and it fits me different and I was like god I remember my mom said she used oh. to wear fake wedding rings before she met my dad because she was like you just get swarmed and objectified and I for some reason, so that stood out to me and I was like, see, this was the whole point, but it's, yeah, to your point, it's, I feel like everybody now is like very personally invested in me, which is a very weird feeling. That's the only way I can describe it. It's just, an, it's, it's, it's kind of nuts. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of nuts. Well, the difficulty must come and I, I certainly am not speaking for you, but it must come that you've never wanted any of this attention. 
No. You didn't want it when you were a child. You didn't want it when you were 12. You didn't want it now. You were just doing your job. And mm -hmm. so in speaking about this, it's amplified it. Mm -hmm. And I think what you've done is a really good thing. But again, yeah. it's not there the comes, attention. It's right. not the attention you were seeking. And again, yeah. it's not the attention about your body that you were seeking. And so this just right. becomes, even though I think it's for the greater good, right. it becomes a bigger, longer conversation about your body. I struggle with this as I, as I work through this stuff always with that idea that, um, should we even comment on anyone's body at all? You know, I, and at this point I'm kind of leaning towards no, because I just think that the risk to reward ratio is very tricky. Like your risk of harming someone by saying something about their body, whether it's bad or good. And I, I go back to, I've been on television for, it'll be 20 years in June that I've been on television. And I have gone through many iterations of sizes. Like I have many sizes in my closet. I would have a lot more closet space if I would stay one size, but alas, <laughs> you know, this is where we're at and I feel fine. What, what fits on a different day, but I've had, I've been pregnant four times, have given birth three times, gone through all of those different, um, iterations of sizing and, um, and those different seasons. And it's just, you don't know what a person's headspace is. And when I was at my very thinnest, my thinnest in television mm -hmm. was when I had, um, my oldest daughter who's eight was one. We've talked about this on the podcast before. If you're a long time nester, you know, this, she had terrible allergies and eczema. So I cut out, I was nursing her. And so it was very important to me to continue nursing her. And we couldn't figure out like what it was and what the problem was. I cut out so many foods. I mean, I was eating nothing and I was crying every night. I was so anxious miserable. and miserable. Mm -hmm. And all I got were nonstop compliments about my body. You look so amazing. Look how thin you are. Look how you got your body back. Look how you bounced back. You look better than you did before you had a baby. Meanwhile, the reason why my body was so thin was because I was starving it because I was trying to cut out anything that would cause a reaction and everything I ate. I was terrified of every bite of food I put in my mouth because I had no idea then if she was going to break out in a rash or if she was going to be itching and crying and uncomfortable or break out in hives. It was, we were going to doctor after doctor. It was insanity. And I thought, this is where you realize that like commenting on someone's body. Is, it doesn't help. It doesn't help no matter what. Like, even if you think you're giving that person a compliment, you don't know what's behind whatever season of life they're in. Like they could be wasting away because they had a terrible breakup and they're so depressed. They can't eat anything. It's just so fascinating. Like, mm -hmm. where are you at with that? Kendall, do you feel like a no comment on people's bodies is, should be standard operating procedure until we can learn to behave as a species? <laughs> right. If you aren't my doctor, if you aren't my mother who has an actual, actual investment in who I am in my core and my health and my well-being and my wellness, what does it matter to you? Mm -hmm. Like, truly, what does it matter to you? And I don't I mean that about everybody. Like, and, and, tall if, if tall or short, thin or not so thin. Like, it, it's none of that. It, it's uh, it, it it drives me mad. Yeah, to your point, I think when I was my smallest which I've, never, I've just never like been small. Yeah, um, yeah. But when I was like, I mean, I could squat more than most boys. I was super fit. There wasn't like an ounce of fat on me. I still 
had to wear a dance costume and it still was like oh girl like that butt in that costume is really small it's not gonna work it's like it doesn't matter what you do (laughs) it's still gonna affect you negative or positive and that was at the same time in my life that all the boys that I was like so hot and like oh my gosh who's gonna take this is so inappropriate but like who's gonna take her virginity like oh my god like what it's just it's gross it's just gross gross. how did your parents how did your parents help you um you know my dad bless his heart had three daughters (laughs) like we're all a lot um Um, so he really stayed out of it. I do remember several times he would bring me to school. Um, cause we, we lived in the country, so we weren't on the busing route and, um, he would just go back upstairs and he'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is what everybody's wearing. He's like, you can't wear that. Go back upstairs. Like, and so I think in his way, he was always trying to help. And you protect. Know? Right. In his very like judgy. I mean, that as like, he was like a literal judge. Why of like order in the court upstairs, no discussion, you're changing. Right. Um, my mother, and I think, I think everyone can relate to this. Um, my mother's God bless her because she saw this again, this is like my stories, like the over-sexualization basically. And then women on the other side being like, aren't you a little big, um, of my body when I was in, high school um I think it was in eighth grade and my younger sister Chloe who I I to be clear love and adore she's my best friend um at the time she was very very thin we have very different body types very petite adorable little thing and she would see we went shopping and I was having a hard time like nothing fit me I was very uncomfortable and um I leaned over to put on a pair of shoes at like DSW and she goes, Oh my gosh, Kendall gross. Your boobs are hanging out. And I didn't say anything. I just, my mom saw me tearing up and she went, okay, girls, let's go into Abercrombie. Now this was when Abercrombie was very big, very exciting. And we were like, okay. She's like, put yourself down. We're going to go in. Like, okay. Well, we're just excited because she actually let us go because she never liked it there because they didn't have sales. Anyway, so we go into Abercrombie (laughs) and she grabs two dresses like back. This is like mid like 2004 ish when those really skinny strap dresses and like flowy things that were very in. She grabs them and she's like, I want you guys to try these on. I'm like, both of us? She's like, yep, I want you to try them on. Okay, so Chloe puts it on and it's adorable. She just looks like a little angel, just like all those little Abercrombie models. I put it on and it's like boobs are coming out. My butt is like inches from showing. Cause it's like poofed out too much. And I'll never forget. My mom put us next to each other. And she was like, Chloe, I want you to look at your sister. You're wearing the same thing. And Aww. she was like, Oh, Oh, that's oh. great. She's like, I'm, I'm sorry. And she's like, you know, she truly didn't get it. Like yeah. She was really young and didn't get it. And I remember being like, that's great. Oh my gosh. I am not a freak. I am like, we can wear the same thing and look totally different. different. And my mom just kind of looked at me and she gave me a little wink and she's like, come on, let's go. And there were so many other shopping trips like that. My meltdowns always happen at shopping trips. Jeans. Oh, I can't even shop for jeans. They're harder than swimsuits. They're so horrible. Why are they so horrible? (laughs) They are so horrible. I have found some, some brands that really are not horrible, Kendall. I will Thank send God. you a list. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But let's take a moment back and applaud your mom. Yeah, she, that's really she powerful. Knew Amazing. and she knew that that was the best way. Yep. To make me feel better and to make my sister see it without making her feel stupid. 
right. um, and defensive. And like it continued on, you know, we go shopping for a semi-formal dress. I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to go to semi-formal. And she's like, okay, well, I know why like this is because you're mm-hmm. not fitting in the same right. dresses. Your right. very thin friends are fitting in. Um, but should, I think that was how my very long story short, my mom has always been like, I see you. You don't have to be ashamed. You can wear whatever you want. And if you want to wear something that's low cut to somewhere that's appropriate to wear something low cut, Mm -hmm. that's your permission. And you want to do it, you do it. Don't ever be ashamed. And just remember that people suck. (laughs) (laughs) End note, people suck. People suck. (laughs) Well, we can help people not suck by just saying, and I love the way you said it, is unless you're somebody's mother, and, he, and I would say, especially if you're their mother, take care, be yeah. like Kendall's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, just nobody wants your comments about their body. It's none of your business. Yeah. Their body, thin, yeah. whatever you are, it's, right. it's not your business. And no. don't comment. And I would go as far as say, stop commenting on people's clothes as well. Because inevitably, that doesn't come out right a lot of the time. It's interesting, the clothes thing. So when this happened to me, Kendall, and I don't know if you remember, this was three years ago. It's so funny because all of this happened at like the same time. Mm-hmm. If people in Minnesota must be like really down in February because that's when oh, they yeah. like fire off the body shaming comments because- Y'all need to go on back- vacation. I know. <laughs> that's right. They need a little sun. They're sun deprived. How about instead of typing to me, how about type yourself your credit card number into Delta and get your right? honey yeah, there to you Florida? Go. I know I'm with you, but, um, but it was interesting. Cause when you talk about the clothes, mm-hmm. the, um, I get so many, I get it now. I, I get a ton of comments from women who like see, they see themselves in my body and they want to wear what I wear, which is why I post clothes because I, I post outfits on Instagram because otherwise I get a hundred emails a day right. from people who are saying, where is that what from? And now I just yeah. post it. And then I post the link and then it, it all goes. So it is this fascinating, like what there are so many women who can see themselves in you, Kendall. And I know, you know, this, you know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't need to be the one who like, um, tell, cause I think, I think you're shockingly stunning. And I've, I even, you sent me your photo. I was like, can you send me a bio (laughs) photo? And I was like, dang, she is so stunning. And that is, that's just 100% the truth. And then I know of, from people who know you well, of how beautiful your personality is. And that's such a wonderful thing, but I, what I would love for people to do, and this is what I encouraged when something similar happened to me was if you look for yourself in other people, identify the beauty and the light in them, acknowledge it and how much that will come back to you. You know, because that's what I get from a lot of women who are like, oh my gosh, those jeans look so great on you. I see myself in you. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge that beauty in you. And, and I would love a little bit of that for myself. And I'm thinking here, go get the jeans. Yeah. These are great. These are what work <laughs> on my butt and they work on, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, that is, that does give me hope with this because right. just as a person who's three years out from a similar situation, when I went through this, I felt the same way. It went so viral. It was on people.com. I had, I did interviews with Yahoo. I remember reporters. this. Yes. I was on Kelly Clarkson's show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like all these things. And I remember feeling very conflicted, like, 
I was happy that I'd said something. I mm-hmm. felt like I was doing the right thing. And at the same time, and I'll be perfectly frank, I thought I am going to be the poster child for fat television hosts. Right. Like, and is this really what, what I, I want? want out of yeah. my life? Like, and that is how societally ingrained it is in you to mm-hmm. feel like your body needs to fit into a, a certain mold. And I even thought about that from my company. I thought like, I don't think my company wants me to be the poster child for fat television hosts. Like, this is like, right. this is my brain. This was this my is not the attention I want. <laughs> like, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I was like, Oh, great. So now what happens if anything changes about the way I look or the next time, like, you know, yeah, it definitely has come up in my head. Yeah. I will tell you three years out. Um, and then having gone through another, you know, in that time that I went through another pregnancy and delivering a baby and then I broke an ankle and then it was like a whole thing, you know, it was all this Mm -hmm. stuff and kind of really examining my body and how I felt about my body and turning 40. Those are all big I think things that help you look at your body in a different way. I have seen much more good than bad, which gives me a lot of hope. I have seen many more women start to make the shift. I heard, I mean, I heard from grandmothers who said, oh my gosh, I heard you talking about this. And I realized that I was saying damaging things to people in my family and I made a change and that does give me a lot of hope. So while I was so devastated to hear this happen to you and it like kind of crumpled me and was like, oh my gosh, not again. Now she has to do this. Like, you know, I had hoped that like, maybe. I was in we were done. Maybe maybe I like slayed the dragon and like, (laughs) I was feeling really good. Um, But I do think it is, I think it is getting better. And I think the consistent encouragement to people that, you just don't have to say everything you think. And particularly when it involves media people, like if you don't like, I'm not going to speak for Kendall, but if you think if, if you don't like watching Kendall on TV, change the channel, change the channel. You got 250 other ones and 45 streaming services that you probably don't even remember that you're paying for, that you could happily watch something else. It's so mm-hmm. odd to me that people feel like, like they have to, they have to say it. Well, mm-hmm. it's a strange business we're in because the yeah, success right. comes from people feeling like you're their friend you. and yeah. they know you right. and it's familiar. But I think put a governor on that if you're going to email a personality and just remember, I I mean, I always felt like just remember if you're sitting in your cubicle at work, think about what it would feel like if somebody came in and said to you what you're about to tap out to somebody in a media mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. It's just a job. I mean, it's just a job. We're accountants. We're salespeople. We're, I mean, it's it's no different than any other job, honestly. I mean, in the day, it used to be way different because people, there were so few people on television. There were so few people who were well-known. Yeah. And people in the 70s who were in TV made gobs and gobs of money. Tons of money. Yeah. Guess what? The industry is pretty normalized. And in mm-hmm. most places, we're just like you. So just think about that when you're going to say something ugly and then don't say it because you wouldn't want somebody to say it to you. Yeah. And, and especially on the body, but Great. it is, it is so wonderful to have you here and thank you thank for, you doing for the, having me too. Thank you for doing the TikTok. Thank you for <sighs> absorbing all of the energy that's coming at you right now. If you ever haven't experienced that, and I've never experienced 7,000, 700,000 views on something, that's a, that's, that's a lot. 
And that's a lot to come at you. And you could have just as easily said nothing, but I think it matters that you did. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you both for having me on too. It's been a whirlwind, but this to me feels really good to like follow it up almost to say, this is, you know, this is where this stems from. This is what I think we all agree on. Um, and to just to continue to be able to talk about it, even in my small, I always say I, there's so many people have been talking about this for so long, so much more eloquently than me and with so much more power, but no, that doesn't matter. That's not an excuse not to say something. Um, so I appreciate that. And you talked done. about it beautifully and with heart. And I think, you know, as your older, wiser television aunt, Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if you're the aunt, I have to be the grandmother. We're not doing that. We're like not the older doing aunt. that. Number one, I'm going to make Kendall commit to going to coffee with me because I feel like <laughs> it is my duty to share with her all the things that in my old age I have learned about this. And um, especially I just the jeans. Wa- especially <laughs> the jeans, girl. I got you on the jeans. I have got you on the jeans. I, you know, you, you have a beautiful, bright light about you. You're wonderful on television. And I just, I want to encourage you. This is going to sound sort of silly, but even to take down the walls a little bit more, because I get that you've built those up in terms of like self-preservation. And I fully understand that. And I am, I love boundaries. Listen, I love Brene Brown, my therapist. I work with on boundaries. Like these things are wonderful. That being said, you have a gift and you are a gift. And I think you're, you can do yourself a little bit of a disservice if the wall is up too much, like you are authentically you and putting that out there is a beautiful thing. And it will only grow your career it will only grow your connection with your audience. It will only grow the good that you're able to do if you are able to take down some of those walls because it it was never about you. When mm-hmm. people have something to say about your body, and I know you know this, I'm just going to repeat it again. It was just never about you. It was about them. And the way that you can shift them is being more authentically you and feeling so good about that in your own skin. I think you have just, you've already achieved so much and you just have so many more beautiful things in the future with your career and your home and your life. And um, it was a real treat to get to have you here. I was so looking forward to this conversation and you just, it's a real heart. I feel like a real heart connection to you because I I know how you feel. Yeah. So. Gosh, thanks, you guys. Could have me back and tell me all these nice things like, every week. I'll sit here all kind the of fun. time. We would do it. We <laughs> yeah, do we it. will. We call this podcast free therapy. And yes. so um, we do a, a lot of it. It's really great. Watch Kendall. Enjoy Kendall. Soak up all the goodness and send her all the love nesters. She's one of us now. <laughs> if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.